and releasing the, the children through grade four to the classes that are prepared for them. And uh, we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 3 starting and then moving to several passages in Scripture today. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Isn't it great? You know, I mean, we say he is risen. <laughs> and and when, you, when you look at that and, and you realize we could say that every time we saw each other. That's right, because we serve a risen Savior, and he's, he's alive, and, and this risen Savior has brought a power into our lives and into our, and into our world that, that sometimes we just, we don't take full advantage of it, and we take it for granted. But there's something special about this weekend as well. And it's right for us to set a weekend aside like this. It's right for us to remember the crucifixion, to remember the, the resurrection, and, and, and to hold these things, and to, and to consider what that means for our lives. The series for Easter has been woven by grace in Christ alone. And woven by grace, we looked at through Christmas, and, and last week we looked at that as well. And we looked at, at the thread of redemption, salvation history as it unfolds through Scripture, is that thread of redemption that's woven by grace throughout all of Scripture. And it, it reveals God's plan for us. And it reveals for us that God has a plan for us to be restored in our relationship with him. The video that we watched at the very beginning of the service talked about the, the restoration that comes through Jesus Christ because it's in Christ alone that our hope is found. It's in Christ alone that redemption is possible. It's in Christ alone that restoration is possible. So today we're going to look at this idea of woven by grace, destroying the devil's work, destroying the devil's work. And the scripture that we're looking at is found in 1 John chapter 3, specifically we're looking at verses 7 and 8, where it says, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he, Jesus, is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So our big idea for today is this, that the work of the devil has been destroyed by God's act of love. The work of the devil has been destroyed by God's act of love. And so as we look at this thread of redemption and, and we stop to consider what it means as we, as we look at it, we see that, that, that Satan has a major part in this thread of redemption on the opposite side. The work of the devil has been destroyed by God's act of love. And so if we think of that, one of the first questions that comes to our mind is what is the work of the devil? What, what is the work of the devil? If it's been destroyed by God's love, and, and that's what Scripture tells us, then, then what is that work of the devil? You'll remember we've looked carefully at the fact that, that God has always existed in perfect, in perfect relationship within himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Eternal Father, eternal Son, eternal Spirit. 
God pouring out his love, the Father, into the Son. And the Son receiving the love of the Father through the Spirit for all eternity existing. And then at a point in time, known only to him and by him, determined that he would create. And he would create man and woman to be in relationship with him. From the outpouring of the love that the Father has for the Son, the Father creates And the Father creates more people who he could love. Adam and Eve, designed for relationship with God and placed in the garden where where God says, this is for you. Enjoy. Enjoy each other and enjoy the garden. Take care of it. And as you take care of the garden for me, you will discover that that's worship that it's actually, your serving me is actually worship. And you were created for that. And so Adam and Eve began, and, and God would come in the, in, in the cool of the day, and he would walk in the garden with them. Perfect relationship between the created and the creator. God said to them, enjoy everything in the garden. But there's one tree. There's one tree that has a fruit on it. And that fruit you should not eat. Because when you eat it, you will die. So do not eat that fruit. Perfect. But something happened. Genesis chapter 3 tells us The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from... We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable. She took some and ate it. The work of the devil. Defeat is the devil's work. Defeat is the devil's work. And what I mean by that is the devil is set out to defeat you. He is set out to defeat the plan of God. He is set out to do that. And Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, you belong to your father, the devil. He's talking to the religious rulers of the day, and he says you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. From the very beginning, the devil has been a murderer and a liar. Now, that means in the beginning, when, when he approached Eve and spoke to her, he was a murderer and a liar, but it also means at the very core of who he is, He's a murderer and a liar from the, from the very beginning of who he is. 
He brings death and he brings deceit. And those are his tools. He's a liar. He approaches Eve and he says, did God really say? Did God really say? We're told in scripture that God is truth, that he speaks truth, that every word he utters is truth and and that all truth is God's truth because God is over all truth. But here in this verse, we see that, that Satan is the father of lies, and, and so that all lies find their root in his lie. He approaches Eve and says, did God really say? And as he says that, she begins to doubt. Well, I, I don't know. I, he said we could eat from any of the trees, but there's that that one, we can't, eat, we can't touch it even. Well, see, did God really say? And as doubt enters into Eve's mind, she begins to look at, she begins to look at the fruit. Oh, you won't surely die. That's not what's going to happen. That's, that's, that's not what God meant. Did God really say that? And she looked at it and saw that it was desirable. It it looked pretty good. And so she took it and she ate it. And Satan realized that that plan worked pretty good and he hasn't changed it ever since. And all throughout redemptive history, as we look at the account of God revealing his plan for restoring people into the relationship he designed for them to have with him, we see that Satan continues the same tactic. Sarah, did God really say that you'd have a baby? Maybe you should have Hagar do that. Did God really say, Moses, that you should talk? Maybe Aaron should do that. Did God really say, did God really say that, Abraham, you should sacrifice your son? Did God, David, did God really say that you shouldn't be with Bathsheba? Did God really say? And all throughout history, all throughout salvation's history, through, through Scripture, we find that this threat of redemption has Satan doing his best to move people away from following God's plan for their lives. And the same thing happens in our lives today. Did God really say? Did, did God really say? Have you, ever, have you ever heard that in your, in your mind or in your heart? Have you ever heard that question? Did God really say? Did, God's a, a loving God and a loving, caring God. What, what would, did God really say? Did that loving and caring God really say that, that just because I'm married, I I, I can't be involved with this other woman. Did God really say that? Did, did God really say that, 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 
that I, I couldn't enjoy sex outside of marriage? Did, did God really say that? Would he really keep me from enjoying that? Did God really say that? Did, did God really say that, that even though a person hasn't asked me to forgive them, I, I still need to forgive them? as many times as necessary? Did God really? Did God say that if I wouldn't forgive, he wouldn't forgive me? Did, did God really say that? Did, did God really say that I, I shouldn't talk bad about someone when they're not there? Did, did God really say that? Did, did God really say that, that if I lust after a woman... I've actually committed adultery with her? Did God really say that? Did, did God really say that even though my parents aren't like rational right now, I still need to obey them and honor them? Did God really say I need to love my wife? Did God say that you need to respect your husband? Did God really say these things? Did God, did God really say that life begins at conception? Did God really say that each life is touched by him? Did, did he really say that? He probably didn't mean it. Did God really say that I need to pray for the president of our country even though I don't agree with him? Did God really say that? Did God really say? That's just a few examples of many in in my life. How about yours? Have you ever ever gotten those questions? Did God really say? Did God really say I, I shouldn't linger by those magazine covers? Did God really say I shouldn't read those romance novels? Did God really say Did God really say? And pretty soon, it seems as though God's trying to keep me from something that's really good. The fruit looked good, remember? And and these things that Satan's talking about, they look good. So I find myself, if I'm not careful, jumping in and believing the lie. How about you? Have you ever believed the lie of Satan when he said, oh, that's not really what God said. You won't really die. That's, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. If it were wrong, then it wouldn't be happening. God really say. If, if the devil can get you to doubt what God said, He's halfway there. And then you, you jump in. You've, you've all done this. So have I. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us have listened to that and stepped in and done something. And then Satan's voice changes. And he says, oh, you sinned. Oh, you, you deserve death. You're a sinner. Look at what you did. God told you not to do that, and you did it. 
And you're thinking, oh my goodness. I did. And Satan's like, don't you realize how wrong that is? The only thing is, at that moment in time, he, he does that in such a way that we think that's God talking to us. And we hear God speaking that. And, and so many times I talk to people who are overwhelmed with a sense of the judgment that they feel God is bringing on them. And it's really the voice of Satan, once he's trapped them in sin, to tell them how incredibly wicked they are. And people live in pain and torment as Satan defines them by the things that have defeated them. He entices them. And then he speaks words of damnation over them, causing them to feel overwhelmed by what they've experienced. Deception is his weapon. He forces us and causes us to believe that we're the center of the universe and that God isn't. And then once we do that, we continually reach out for all sorts of ways to please ourselves. And he defeats us. And he deceives us. And that deceit causes us to sin. And he speaks words of damnation over us that divide us and, and bring death into our lives. Isn't this a cheery message for Easter Sunday? You know Paul Harvey, right? Could we look at the rest of the story? See, we have absolutely been defeated by Satan. He has brought deception into our life, and he has defeated us, and each one of us have experienced this. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, yeah, we fell into it. We fell into it. We fell into it. We listened, we looked, we jumped, and we sinned. But Christ died for us. I have a video for you. Satan longs for you to believe the fact that because of what you've done, you've separated yourself from God irreparably. That there is nothing that could possibly happen that would allow your relationship to be restored with God. He would long for you to believe that the things that you have done have caused you to be unlovable. Nothing is further from the truth. God demonstrates that love in one of the most amazing acts of love that there is. And in so doing, he destroys the devil's work. See, Jesus destroyed the fear of death. He destroyed the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he may destroy him who holds the power over death, that is, the devil, and free those whose lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. God took on flesh. Try to imagine this. I don't know. But God took on flesh. Jesus came, and he was born of a virgin. God, who had always existed before, eternal son came, took on flesh, and made his dwelling among us and lived a perfect 
life, never sinned, and, and lived that sinless life and came and went and all the way to the cross and died on the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 is in your notes there. Having disarmed the powers and authority. Let me read leading up to that, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the written code and its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away nailing it to a cross and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over the cross. <laughs> Satan, he hates you. Oh, he hates you. He hates God. He hates God and, and so he hates you and, and he just longs to defeat you. He longs, he longs to, to draw you into sin and then to make you feel absolutely guilty because you did sin. He longs to do that on a regular basis so that you can walk around as defeated as possible. But you see, Jesus came and put an end to the devil's work. He destroyed the devil's work. You see, he even worked, Satan even worked in, in, the, in the lives of the, of the religious rulers of the day. Did God really say that the Messiah would be raised in Nazareth? Did God really say that the Messiah wouldn't obey our rules? Did God really say that, that, that the, the Messiah would be born of, of Mary and Joseph? Did God really say? Is that really? Is, is God really say that's who the Messiah was to be? No, I don't think so. Let's kill him. Crucify him. Behind the scenes, the devil. Working in the lives of people who were, see, the religious rulers, they were desperately seeking to please God. It's why they put all their effort into memorizing his word. They, they wanted to do what God wanted, and, and Satan deceived them and caused them to reject God. God was in their midst, and they rejected him. The ultimate rejection turned out to be God's greatest victory. Because on the cross, Jesus totally disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and, and, he, and he triumphed over death. Amen? And see, Satan didn't get this. He thought he had won. He thought he had won because the Son of God, who he knew well, who he had worked so hard to destroy, died on the cross. And he thought he won. But the tomb opened up. <laughs> and Jesus walked out. And he rose again. And death could not keep him. It could not hold him. Not only did he gain victory over death... He annihilated it, and he made total life possible. Eternal life is possible through Jesus Christ. And so the death that Satan tries to speak into your life has been defeated. And you can stand restored in your relationship to God. 
How does that happen? He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans chapter 4 ends with that, and chapter 5 starts, and it's an unfortunate chapter break. You understand, of course, that as Paul was writing the letter to the church in Rome, he didn't put the chapters in. Those are there for us, and so we're going to read right through this chapter break. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Amen? So you see, what this is telling us is that you can have peace with God. You don't need to listen to the lies of Satan. You don't need to listen to those, those words of deceit in your life that, that cause you to move towards sin and then, and then speak condemnation over you. Listen, your sin has earned the wrath of God, period. Your sin has earned the wrath of God. My sin has earned the wrath of God as I've doubted God because of the voice of Satan as I've moved into that sin. I have fallen under the wrath of God. All of us have. And what I've earned because of that is death. Separation from God eternally. But Jesus came to restore the relationship that I've been designed to have with him. He came for that for you as well. You see, and as we, as we come to the cross and as we recognize that this is the place where where Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin. As we come and we say, God, I, oh, I've listened. I've listened to Satan. I've listened to his lies, and I've fallen into sin. I've followed him into sin, and I've turned away from you, and I've severed our relationship. And, and I understand that, that my sin has earned your wrath and condemnation, but God, I'm sorry would you forgive me? I, I repent. I turn. I, I, I turn and I say, I'm not going to follow Satan. I'm following you. And, and I want your plan for my life. I want my relationship that you designed for me to have with you to be restored. And I understand that happens through Jesus. And I turn and I ask you to forgive me. And he says, I do. And he reaches down and he rescues not because of anything we've done, but because of his grace and because of his love for you. But listen, you have to repent and you have to turn. And if you've done that, then this voice of Satan has no power in your life. How do you defeat the voice of Satan? The voice of Satan is a voice of lies. The voice of God is the word of truth. Listen, if you want to know when, when, when Satan comes up to you and says, do you, did God really say, you, you follow Jesus' example. You remember in the desert when he was tempted? And Satan started that, did God really say stuff? <laughs> and Jesus said, it is written. It is written. Boom. Done. Satan has no power because the truth of God dispels the lie of Satan. Listen, if you want to defeat Satan in your life, learn truth. And when he comes to you and he speaks these lies, you say, no. Listen, are you listening to the lies of Satan? Stop it. Stop it. 
Just stop listening. Listen to the voice of truth and apply the voice of truth to the lies of Satan. See, Jesus died and he destroyed death. He destroyed the fear of death. He destroyed the devil's work. And the devil's work no longer has control over your life if you give your life to him. Justification. What does that mean, justification? There's two sides to justification. The first side is this. My my sin has earned the wrath of God, and the penalty needs to be paid against it. And so in justification, my sin is credited to Christ's account, imputed to him, and it hangs on the cross, and Christ pays the penalty for it. On the other side of justification, the righteousness of Christ is credited to my account. And God sees me just as if I had never sinned. Lynette, perfect. God sees you that way. Satan says no, but God says yes. Satan tells you you need to be ashamed. You need to be afraid of God. You remember when they took the fruit, the first thing they felt was fear. They were afraid of God, so they hid See, what Satan loves to do is draw you into sin and then get you to be afraid of God so you hide from him. But God comes and says, why are you hiding? I've demonstrated my love for you. Come near to me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, are you in Christ Jesus? If you are, There's no condemnation. When you hear that voice, you know that's not the voice of God. God speaks words of conviction. He moves you into the direction he has for your life, but he does not trap you in the past. Have you experienced the victory of Jesus in your life, and how is it impacting your decisions? You see that the work of the devil has been destroyed by God's act of love. Oh, I pray that you've been set free. And I pray that as you've been set free, that you're able to put the voice of Satan aside because of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've never met him, I pray that today you would do that. Don't leave here without doing that. Because Jesus came to bring the peace of God into your life. When you stop to think of the turmoil that we're under with Satan. See, the angels promised that Jesus would bring peace when they announced his birth. And that peace is peace with God. And Satan loves to convince us that we need to go down this road to find peace. And as we go down that road, if we just find one more thing to charge to our credit card, if we find one more one more magazine to look at, one more page on the website. If we find one more thing, we'll find peace. But all those things do is take us down paths that are farther from God and farther from peace. But the relationship restored with God through Jesus Christ brings peace with God that allows you to hear the truth of God. So what? How will I allow the power of Jesus to destroy the devil's work in me? 
How will I take this incredible message of hope into the world and how can I make Christ known? If you've been hearing and listening and believing those voices of Satan, stop. Listen to the voice of truth. You have never been unloved. That love is offered. And it's offered to you, but it only benefits you as you accept that offer. God, thank you for that truth. Thank you for the truth of that word that the work of the devil has been destroyed. And it's possible for us to stand in your presence spotless, blameless, at peace with you. Oh God, help us not listen to these voices of deceit. And for anyone here who doesn't know you yet, Lord, who is trapped in that, I pray that you'd free them today according to your mighty power. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. May I ask you to stand and hear God's good word for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Go get those hams out of the oven. All right. I release you to a week of work, witness, and worship. Amen.